0: Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy.
1: The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Six days after Peter said that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him.
0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. This Sunday concludes the season of Epiphany that we've been celebrating for the last uh, several weeks. Epiphany is a time in which we recall how the light of the world who was born in Jesus Christ, that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob became one of us in Jesus Christ, that the Savior and Messiah of Israel is also the Savior for the entire world. That Jesus is not just the light for a few people, but Jesus is the light for all people. Jesus' birth and baptism, which begin this Epiphany season, point to the transition that is found in this transfiguration story in which Jesus comes off the mountain and heads to Jerusalem where he knows that he will face death. We might think about the stories just prior to this. Um, Deacon Bill, just a few moments ago, as he read the gospel, he said that... um, that these events happened six days after Peter proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah. And you might remember the story. Um, Jesus asks his disciples, now, who are people saying that I am? And um, they have different ideas. Well, some people say you're this person. And some people, you say that you're this person. And Jesus says, okay, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, um, who was always bold and in a hurry to get there first, and sometimes gets it wrong when he does it, this time gets it right. And he says, you are the Messiah, the living Christ, the son of God. And Jesus says, you're right. And uh, then he says, okay, now I got to tell you part two of this is, is now I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be killed. And Peter says, don't do that. What are you talking about? Who is going to join this movement? If you're going to be killed like that is depressing. Nobody, Jesus, your marketing strategy is off. Jesus, in very strong words, tells Peter, Get behind me, Satan, get behind me, am I accuser? Get behind me, the one who would not have me do that thing that I know that I'm supposed to do. Peter, as he's he's, in his aging years, Peter, as he is coming to the end of his life, Peter, as he's beginning to look at what is going to be next, has this conviction that the apostolic witness cannot die with the death of the apostles. Peter has this fear what is going to happen when all those who were eyewitnesses to the accounts and events of Jesus's life, what happens when they die? And so Peter is writing this letter to the church so that we would hear that these are not just some cleverly devised myth that you may have heard, that these are things that we saw and experienced. Peter points to the story of the transfiguration as one of those events. He says, we were there on the mountain and in the midst of a time of prayer. God came to us in a really powerful way and said, this is my son, my beloved Listen to him. This is not a myth. This is not something that was just made up. That Peter says, I want you to know that there is real hope in this. Archbishop Michael Ramsey uh, wrote an entire book on the transfiguration. It's one of those stories that sort of kind of gets overlooked. It doesn't have the power and the majesty of, um, say, the birth of Jesus. And it doesn't have uh, the exciting ending like the crucifixion or the resurrection. Uh, But for him, he says it's a really important story for Christians to really get. Here Jesus is. He's on the top of the mountain. And Elijah and Moses... Elijah being uh, a symbol of all the prophets who called Israel back into right relationship with God. And Moses, the one who gave the law to the people to teach them how to live in relationship with God, are found on this mountain with Jesus. And Ramsey says that it links the stories and the hope of the Old Testament with the truth of the New Testament. These are not somehow separate stories, but one story that is connected. He also says that it's important to remember that the Creator God that we find in the Old Testament is the exact same redeeming God that we find in the New Testament. That they are not separate gods or separate stories, but one God that both creates and redeems. And he says the most important truth is that we find in this story that the supernatural does not overthrow the natural. The supernatural does not overthrow the natural. Well, you sit there and go, well, what do you mean by that? So as Episcopalians, every Sunday we gather here. And uh, one of the things that marks our time together is we celebrate and share in holy communion. And we say that this bread and this wine that we are getting ready to share is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. But we would also say that we are giving you bread and wine. That God does not have to destroy the natural, the material, in order to do something amazing with it. We hear um, in in, in the prayer that I prayed at the beginning of this service that our hope is is that Christ would turn us from glory into glory. Right? The, The natural is not destroyed by the supernatural. The natural does not deny the supernatural. The natural and the supernatural can work in tandem with each other, which is great news. It means that we do not have to deny science. And it also means that we can believe in mystery and experiences that are beyond our ability to explain how or why it happens. Bishop Matt Gunter says that there's really three approaches that a human being can take towards the natural or the material world. He says it could be that material is all that matters, right? Everything in life is found in our time, in our space, and for however many years we live. And you can do whatever you want to do because all that matters in life is the things that we experience here and now, and there's nothing more. If you want to be a nice person, great, good for you. Go and be a nice person, but it really doesn't matter because in that line of thinking, you can just enjoy whatever you want because there is nothing more to the matter than we experience now. We know some people who can abuse or misuse the material world or the natural world for their own ends or for their, for their own gain. He says the second option is, is that matter does not really matter. And so really our hope is so that we're going to get to this other place, that this place is just a mere shadow of the real thing, and we just kind of have to deal with our time here. And the sooner we can get to the next place, so much the better. And if matter doesn't really matter, if the only thing that really matters is something that is beyond the things that we can taste, touch, see um, in this world, then the degradation of this world doesn't matter. The degradation of human beings in some ways doesn't matter either because this is simply a shadow of the real thing and the sooner we can get there the better. Bishop Gunner says and this is sort of a tongue twister matter matters but it is not all that matters and it matters in a direction. Matter matters, but it is not all that matters, and it matters in a direction. And so it means that the natural and the supernatural are both ways in which we come in contact with God and with, um, with, with, with the deep things that we hope and long for in life. It's, it's why we use real Water, when we baptize somebody. It is why we use real bread and real wine when we commune someone. It's why we use real oil when we're praying for God's healing upon somebody. It is, it is why we use real ashes when we are a gathering here on Wednesday for Ash Wednesday that these things are important, right? In all of our minds of trying to figure out what all of this means, the natural world gives us glimpses into the supernatural and mysterious world, but it does not mean that they have to be in competition with each other. And Christians oftentimes, frankly, in a very frustrating way, think that the natural and the supernatural are in competition, so you either have to be pro-science or you have to be pro-God and you can't be either. And, um, and I think the story of the transfiguration says you can be both. Jesus um, maybe captures this power of the natural and the supernatural working in tandem um, better than anyone Um, after he leaves the mountain, this holy mountain in which this amazing experience happens um, of of the power of God working in the world. Jesus goes and he faces his crucifixion and his death and in doing so um, shows us what life is really all about. Tom Holland, not Spider-Man Tom Holland, but Tom Holland, um, who is an author and is an atheist, but writes about religion, um, notes that what's amazing is, is that Paul begins his proclamation of the gospel. He would have been doing so in towns um, that would have been filled with statues of Caesar. Right? Look Look at the power of Caesar. Remember the magnificence of Caesar. Right? It's sort of this, 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 this initial reaction that Peter and John have. Let's build a tabernacle here so we can remember the power. And that's what people did with Caesars is they built monuments to him so we could remember their power. And here is somebody who goes around from town to town who is proclaiming the horror and the shame and the humiliation of Jesus' death as a glimpse into what God is all about. That Christ made himself nothing, he says, by taking on the very nature of the lowest depth of the material world. He plumbed the depths to which only the lowest, the poorest, the most persecuted, and the most abused of mortals were confined. If Paul could not leave the sheer wonder of this alone, if he risked everything to proclaim it to strangers, likely who would have found it disgusting or crazy or both... Because he had experienced the marriage of the material and the supernatural in the risen Christ who spoke to him. So as we enter into the season of Lent, I invite you. I invite you to go into the depths of God's love for us. A love that is known in both the material and the supernatural. Amen. Amen.